there, glad you're back again. Welcome. If you'll recall from the last episode, we just turned off Elk Valley Road and now we're going to be making our way to another similar woodsy highway simply called 199. Here's another spectacular leg of the trip. Just after turning onto the 199, soon we worked our way over Jedediah Smith Riverwoods State Park. Once the car climbs over the high ridge and crosses the Smith River, the road follows the banks of the river as it takes a steady but curvy climb through the Smith River National Recreational Area of the Six Rivers National Forest. <laughs> That's a, a lot of national rivers, redwoods, and forests, and all everything in this neck of the wood, isn't it? But this particular river, the Smith River, is worth mentioning. Never before have I ever seen more brightly colored rivers than the Smith River and the Middle Fork Smith River at the fork where they meet. And also, I gotta say, what a stupid name for this river and this park. Smith. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Smith was an explorer and he was the first human being to ever discover this neck of the woods especially before any of the Native Americans, but whatever. It should be called Rapids of the Bright Turquoise in some native tongue, or Navajo Turquoise Rapids. But those guys, the Navajos, they live down in the Southwest where I was born and raised. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not exaggerating about how unnaturally bright this color is. Looking down over more than a hundred feet, those two rivers are the brightest turquoise color I've ever seen in a river. Even way brighter, more so than say, the Colorado River that's at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. That's pretty green too, but not like these two rivers. To me, Jedediah Smith Riverwood State Park is a very well-kept secret of the locals. Once we passed the Jedediah State Park with all its kayakers and campers and fishermen, by then we were usually starving. Soon we came up to another great place on the road on the 199, Hayuchi's Cafe. It was so hard to have discipline and not stop there every single time we drove past it. Hayuchi is a little summer hamlet along the way that doesn't even have a stop sign or a traffic light. It consists of a few summer cabins, uh, an RV park, a store that sells some fishing worms, I think, and across the highway is an innocuous cafe with a sign on the top that says Hayuchi's Cafe <laughs> and a blinking red light that says open <laughs> unless it was past October, then it's closed till June. The decor of this cafe is completely forgettable. Pure Americana, vinyl booze with beat up fake brick floors or, or whatever. You know, a dive. But man, oh man, what a wonderful dive it was. They serve steaming hot blueberry pancakes with cherry sized blueberries and a big pat of butter on top. There was fluffy, hot, cheesy green chili omelets. Wow, you can hardly get green chili anywhere except in a few parts of West Texas and Northern Arizona and my home state where these types of amazing chilies are grown in Hatch, New Mexico. Steaming hot Hatch green chili omelets at the Hayuchi Cafe. 
wow. I got to tell you, in my opinion, cooks and chefs who understand what hatch green chilies are, those are chefs that have some very sophisticated knowledge of their business. Hatch green chilies are much more flavorful than any other jalapenos or other chilies you'll ever taste. Hatch green chilies are another well-kept secret I'm letting you in on. You're welcome. <laughs> the locals sure knew what a Jewel Hayochi's Cafe was. It was usually hopping with lots of regulars sitting at the counter every morning drinking coffee. The one and only waitress they employed was a super nice lady. That lovely woman never missed a day of work. She was always there when we stopped in. Unfortunately for us, she was a friendly soul that cared about her customers. We tried to keep a low profile, but after a while, we just gave up and started lying. <laughs> we made up some stupid-ass story about having to travel from our home in San Francisco to go see our son in Portland or whatever. I mean, we had to lie. It's not our fault. <laughs> we had to justify practically being regulars ourselves. Man, I'll tell you. I'd sell my soul lying 20,000 more times to be able to eat at Hayuchi's any day. We weren't daily regulars, but more than once a month regulars. Even though we used supreme discipline and whizzed by there about three out of the four trips, the winner was easier on us because Hayuchi's was closed then. <laughs> Except for those few times that we stopped at the cafe, we were usually really hungry by then as we kept driving and we followed the Middle Fork Smith River as we whizzed by more one gas station stops like Gasquet and Patrick Creek. By then, there were no more restaurants, stores, or fast food places anywhere along the way as we rose higher and higher along the summit. Numerous logging rigs lumbered up the mountain with huge loads of cut-down trees that were chained to the rig. They constantly slowed us down. It made me very nervous following these huge loads. I always had a lot of anxiety that one of those huge trees was going to slip out of the trains and plummet through our windshields. The landscape began to change immediately as we quickly approached the California-Oregon border. We drove through what they call the Collier Tunnel, and once you get through that tunnel, you see the Oregon border sign directly ahead. The pine trees at the tip of the southern border of Oregon were much scrawnier and rattier than the ones at the Emerald Triangle. Further into Oregon, the forest becomes stunningly beautiful again, but right here at the border, it gets a little ragged looking. I had never been to the Northwest before I began driving, so it was a shock to me to see how the logging industry had ravaged this beautiful forested state. There are so many mountains half shaved off of all of its trees. It literally looks like someone has shaved half their head but not the other half. A half-bald mountain looks violently unnatural. The logging companies have come in and completely mowed down mountain after mountain without any replanting or regard for the earth. This is called clear-cutting. It ought to be against the law, and maybe it is now, but not after all the extensive damage was done. 
It's one of the saddest environmental disasters I've ever seen. The earth is bare dirt with only tiny stubs of trees sticking out of the barren ground. We continued driving our load northeast as we twisted and turned throughout the Highway 199. Further up the road north, we drove past what looked like a vintage 1956 black and white Ford Crown Vic. You guessed it, cop car. <laughs> it was always parked on the east side entrance of a tiny town of Cave Junction. This one stoplight town was as bad as the name sounds. The best place to eat there was the Dairy Queen. We never did try the Pete's Place with the purple waterfall just outside of a little bump in the road called Kirby, Oregon. As we kept motoring and negotiating the ever-changing speed limits, we passed a large number of hillbilly communities which were full of people living in dilapidated trailers situated along big rusty piles of old machinery, cars, and all kinds of debris. These people, with their junkyard dogs and their mangy goats and anorexic chickens, existed among these garbage pits. To me, the state of Oregon is a real juxtaposition. Compared to the beach towns, the lovely city of Portland, the college town of Eugene, and the beautiful farms and towns along the Interstate 5, the haulers of Oregon was as poverty-stricken as much as I've ever seen. Oregon State Legislature got this big idea and passed a law that no one can receive state welfare unless they are at least working some piddly job for the state. By the time we arrived in Grants Pass, Oregon to fill up, we weren't allowed to pump our own gas. Welfare recipients' employees had to fill the car up for us, just like attendants did back in the day, nor were many of them particularly pleasant to deal with. Some of these attendants seemed about as antisocial and mean as those half-starved junkyard dogs. Bob hated, hated, hated this state law. He wanted to fill up his own gas for so many reasons. First of all, we always had to go inside and pay cash before we could start filling up the car. And second of all, what if one of those attendants just happened to really take a good hard look through the tinted windows and saw a huge mound of black blanket covering something suspicious? As the end of Highway 199 evolved into the heavily congested thoroughfare of Grants Pass, we fought our way through a gauntlet of more than 15 stoplights in that damn town. I know there were that many because I counted them once. Whatever engineer planned the Grants Pass shit show ought to lose his license to drive. Grants Pass needs bypass desperately. Surging and breaking the car through town, it was always such a relief to finally merge onto Interstate 5 and get the hell out of there. Now we could drive straight away and a lot faster on the interstate again. There aren't any small town sheriff scrutiny out there on the interstate. You just flow with the pack and stay anonymous. But the pack doesn't flow too quickly out there on I-5 sometimes. This whole freeway is like a slow-moving centipede most of the time. Interstate 5 only has two lanes going north and two lanes going south. It's just downright frenetic with all the speeding, passing, and congestion, especially around Grants Pass. That's not very many lanes for a highway that serves the majority of the population out west. 
Interstate 5 is the main artery that starts in Canada north of Seattle and goes all the way down south past San Diego. This interstate needs eight lanes going each way, like the Interstate 75 and 85 when you enter Atlanta. On Interstate 5, there are so many lumbering trucks trying to pass each other, and they try the big trucks try to pass the slow trucks on the hills, and the rest of us just have to let all the truckers dominate the roadway. Why, oh why, can't I just drive my car and get to where I'm going without having to put up with all the rest of the world? I just need an HOV lane for hauling weed. Higher occupancy vehicles plus weed. That would be the HOVW lane. And add a dollar sign, HOV dollar sign, for when I'm taking money out to Cali. What do you think about that? I think that's a marvelous idea. I'm going to write my congressman. (laughs) My dreams. One of the cool things about the United States are all the scattered sovereign nations located throughout the 50 states. Oregon had plenty of its share of reservations. And let me tell you, those reservations became our saviors. Over the past 20 years, many American native tribes have developed casinos on their land. Alongside the casinos, they usually have killer travel stops and beautifully furnished hotels and restaurants. Bob learned very quickly if he timed his gas station stops right, he could do his first Oregon gas fill-up at the Seven Feathers Casino Resort in Canyonville, Oregon. Now he could fill up his own gas tank without having to deal with people who were forced to do it for him. Depending on what the timing was when we left California with the load, we occasionally even stayed at the Seven Feathers Hotel, which was even more comfortable than most of the nicest hotels along our trip. One of the other reasons I remember the Seven Feathers Casino travel spot is because one time Bob and I had a knockdown drag out fight right there on the Seven Feathers Casino parking lot. (laughs) And mind you, this was when we had a load of weed in the back of the car. I can't even remember what the fight was about. I think it was at the end of one of those back-to-back trips, and we were tired, cranky, and things just got out of control. So anyways, for whatever god-awful reason, I decided I wasn't going to drive one single more mile with Bob the Butthead. (laughs) I jumped out, slammed the car as hard as I could, and screamed at the top of my lungs some really ladylike profanities and stomp the hell off, ready to walk the rest of the way home. <laughs> like I was going to walk home from there back to Salt Lake City. <laughs> I was showing him. Bob was stalking me in the car with the window down, begging and threatening me to get back into the goddamn car right now. You know, fighting is such a, a cool thing to do when you're driving weed. Oh yeah, it's the mature and super safe thing to do. Here's a word of advice for all you wannabe drivers. Keep those public fights super loud and draw plenty of attention to yourself so maybe the cops will come and check out the domestic scene. (laughs) I noticed some people looking at us and I suddenly just swallowed my pride and jumped back into the car. And we went merrily on our way. Driving is Always such a blast.
Like I said a minute ago, Oregon is a juxtaposition of hillbillies, college hippies, techies, city hipsters, and deeply conservative Christians. As you drive along Interstate 5, there are all these Christian billboards all along the way urging drivers to realize that Jesus is watching you. That's fine. Whatever. As long as the cops aren't watching me, Jesus can watch me having sex for all I care. My favorite Christian billboard sign on Interstate 5 is the one that says something like, Are you going to heaven or hell? This sign is situated just a few feet away from one of Oregon's largest truck stops. Every weekend, this parking lot gets so full on Friday and Saturday afternoons, it looks like there's an 18-wheeler jamboree going on. And within walking distance of the parking lot is a little shabby A-frame motel that rents rooms by the hour. I've always wondered, if you get saved, can you still hang out with hoes and the like? I mean, Jesus hung out with prostitutes, so maybe truckers can too, right? (laughs) On a more wholesome note, I always loved watching all the animals as they grazed on the farms along the interstate. I especially love driving by them in the months of February to May because the new baby lambs and tiny calves were newly born. I loved watching these little babies frolic in the grass. At the beginning of February, I could hardly see their little tiny ears sticking out above the grass. The baby lambs were hardly bigger than kittens. Every time we drove by, they would get a little bigger and a little braver and venture away to play and frolic a little further away from the moms. I really appreciated observing all the farm animals because I'm a city girl. I know nothing about farms and farm life, so I found it to be completely fascinating to see these little baby animals grow and develop alongside the interstate. Two or three times over the years that we drove, we really got caught with our pants down. If we left with a load from Cali after 2 or 3 p.m., we weren't able to be in any kind of cell phone reception area for our burner phones, so we weren't able to make reservations for the coming night. We were leaving with the load from the remote coastal mountains, and it took us quite a bit of time to wind our way back to civilization to be able to make a call. Man, oh man, here's the deal. Come summertime in Oregon, plan on sleeping in your car on the side of the road if you don't have a hotel reservation by 3 p.m. for that night. Remember when I told you how dangerous it was for us to be out on the road with the load after 10 p.m.? Often, by the time we were able to get back to cell phone range to make a reservation for a room, it was already 7 or 8 p.m., By then, every single hotel room from Eugene, Oregon to Pendleton was already booked. One night, we'd been driving around with our load until 2 a.m., rooting around for a room since before Eugene, which is about two and a half hours away from Portland. Finally, somewhere east on 205, just outside of Portland's airport, I was able to persuade the hotel receptionist to give me a Portland flight crew's reserved room. After another late departure from the Triangle, when we were finally able to make the calls, of course, all the rooms in Eugene were full. The desk clerk told me it was like that all the way up past Portland, so... 
Bob took the next exit and turned around and retracted back south. After driving an hour and a half, we were finally able to secure a room available in Roseburg, Oregon. You know, I always thought as we passed Roseburg on I-5, it seemed like such a lovely place with thousands of rose bushes along the freeway to give you a great impression. Even the name Roseburg makes it seem like a lovely place, right? Rahong, so wrong on so many levels. Of all, and I mean of all, the shitty hotel rooms I've ever stayed in, and that's saying a lot because I've stayed in hundreds and hundreds of hotels and motels, this room wins the prize. This motel is the wiener. This prize-winning room was at a franchise, which should have given it a smidgen of validity and a certain level of quality that travelers count on, right? Isn't that the point of a franchise? Nope. In spite of it being a franchise brand, this dilapidated, run-down motel was privately owned by the most unfriendly, mistrusting, inhospitable clan of immigrants I've ever encountered. Service industry, they weren't. Boy, these hostile people bent us over, charged us top prices, took our money, and we said, thank you so much. When we climbed up the stairwell, we found our room tucked into a windowless corner. When we turned the key and opened the door to the overheated room, I felt like I'd been sucked back into a 1940s portal. It was carpetless and had three single saggy beds with paper-thin, worn Kelly Green bedspreads. Bright Kelly Green. I kid you not. There was an old but broken fan standing sadly in the corner of the front of a tiny window. The fluorescent lit lamp helped to add to the ambience of the room. You know that organ billboard that wondered whether I was going to heaven or hell? <laughs> well, I guess I chose hell because I was here in this room in Roseburg. <laughs> I thought I was going to start bawling right there on the spot. <laughs> But crying very rarely helps the situation. We stood there silently surveying this shithole in shock and awe. The sun hadn't gone down quite yet, even though it was almost 10 p.m. And we just couldn't stand to hang there in the janitor closet disguised as a hotel room for one more second. So we decided to walk down a couple of blocks to a local Roseburg bar to take the edge off. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> we hadn't even gone inside the bar yet when suddenly a huge fight broke out right there on the sidewalk as 10 to 20 people poured out of the bar. They scattered all over the sidewalk around several other closed restaurants and kept the brawl going. It was mother upper this and suck my whatever that. <laughs> we had to cross the street to get out of the fray. We knew it was only a matter of minutes before the cops showed up, and we didn't want to get caught up into that net. <laughs> Reluctantly, like six-year-olds who had showed up after the birthday party was over, we turned around and sadly shuffled back to our rose-petaled Ritz-Carlton suite. Yep, just say no to Roseburg, Oregon. Choose heaven instead. <laughs> The 
drive, I've described the landscapes and towns we've driven through. I've explained how certain dynamics work in the industry, what the farms are like, and I've given you a feel for different people's characters and different communities out west. And just because I had a great or a terrible experience in any given town doesn't make that town that. It was just that way for me. Maybe Roseburg, Oregon doesn't suck. I'm pretty sure it does, but <laughs> but hey, that was just my own personal experience. It's been a lot of fun reliving these memories. There's more fun and crazy people to introduce you to, a lot more idiomatic towns to drive through, and a ton more industry secrets to discuss. And I'll get to as much of this as fast as I can over time. But for now, I gotta tell you goodnight, kids. Whatever you do, stay out of trouble. <laughs> if you ever get the chance to stop at Hayuchi's Cafe, please don't tell that lady what a big fat liar Bob and I were. <laughs> It would have never occurred to this sweet lady that she was serving food and chit-chatting with full-blown felonous criminal traffickers who are taking drugs across state lines to deliver them to addicted weed fiends. <laughs> the truth is, she probably wouldn't even remember us after this much time anyways. Hell, she might not even work there anymore. So, whatever you do, don't lie to sweet little waitresses like I did. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.